0: Did Don Draper really buy the world a Coke? Did Tony Soprano really die or just order more onion rings? Were those guys really in hell the whole time or was that just the audience? The finales of our favorite shows can make us argue, make us cry, and make us crazy. From Spotify and The Ringer, I'm Andy Greenwald and this is Stick the Landing, a new podcast where we'll be telling the story of modern TV backwards, one fade out at a time. Each episode, a guest and I will choose a celebrated series from history, from the 70s to the streaming era and beyond, and do a deep dive on its very last episode. Was it all a dream? Did it turn into a nightmare? And most importantly, what can we learn about tomorrow's new shows from the way yesterday's ended? TV is a journey. I hope you'll enjoy this podcast about the destination. Starting January 17th, find Stick the Landing on Wednesdays on the Prestige TV feed, on Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: It's the Mismatch, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states or 18 plus in DC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by USAA Insurance. Life is full of tough decisions, and thanks to USAA Auto Insurance, picking your auto coverage isn't one of them. Make the switch to USAA Auto Insurance and find out how you could save. Get a quote today. Restrictions apply.
2: Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me as he does every Thursday night from the ringer.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Hamra, Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Blizarian, Kevin O'Sphere,
1: Kevin!
2: Inferno,
1: are you okay?
2: Yeah! To ask. Yeah, I'm doing fine. I'm doing Look fine. to Look. the
1: lottery now. Are they going to talk some draft this, this season?
2: I have covered, I believe, I guess the first one was 01. So I have covered over 20 basketball seasons. I've been through all of it, Kevin. Mm -hmm. I'm not new to this. I'm not new to this. (laughs) This happens. (laughs) This (laughs) is obviously extreme what is taking place in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, but I have been through it before and I, let me just say we can start with the Moranta injury since we did not get to talk about it in our last episode in fact it happened the news came out uh, on the Tuesday or I guess the Monday night after we had recorded the podcast over the years I've become more comfortable with getting blown out than not having a chance or having a chance and then it getting ripped away from me, right? I would rather lose by forty than lose by two. Like the two, because uh, forty, I could just, uh, I could be like, all right, there was no chance you were winning that. You could even, okay, we could even go to the playoffs last year, right? LeBron James hits a game winner, uh, or actually he said hits a layup to send it into overtime, and then they lose one in, in that series, right? Game six, they lost by a thousand. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, (laughs) move on. Like, to me, that's easier to cope with. And I analogize that to what's happening now. I have been through many seasons where it gets ripped away from you at the end or it gets ripped away from you in January, February, March. And it's like, you really feel like this could have happened. This was your chance. And then it gets yanked from you. And it's like, there's something, and I'm not just talking myself into this. This is real. When you are able to recalibrate it. <laughs> you are definitely talking yourself into it after saying, oh,
1: we're well, no. on a pace. They're on a pace. But then it's done. I know it's, and over it's like, now. And it, then it, your
2: expectations,
1: yes. right? Dream it's not over. like,
2: yes. if, but if you get that news late in the year, Or, like, in the middle of a playoff series, it's getting blown out. Right now, you are the Celtics
1: at halftime against the Bucs pulling all your starters. It is what what it is. Yes. Yep, that's what you are. Like, the the, the dream is over. It's it's a lost season. It's all about looking ahead now.
2: And, And so much of, everybody always says, like, during, when you get to the playoffs, it's like, oh, it's a battle of attrition. And whoever stays healthy is the one that can win. And there's so much truth to that. So much truth to that, right? It is also true during the course of the regular season because to wit, right now, if you look at the teams with the most players' games missed this season, the fifth most is the Trailblazers with 114. The fourth most is the Heat. They are the shining example of how you can win while losing a lot of player games to injury. There's no question about that. Three is the Pistons with 130. Two is the Hornets with 163. And one, by a wide margin, is Memphis with 201 player games missed. Now, flip it around. Who has missed the least? This will not surprise you at all. Guess who's missed the least amount of player games this year in the NBA. Okay. Number one, OKC. Number two, Minnesota. Number three, Boston. It's the three best teams. Like, there's a correlation there, right? They have not, they've had their guys. And those are teams. And then we just pray that you don't lose your guys later in the year, right? But they're. You know, once you're, once it's announced Marcus Smart has broken his finger and he's going to be out for almost two months, then it's like, okay, but yeah.
1: Well, I mean, the season's over for Memphis. Now now the only question is, do they become a? You know, they're not going to be full on sellers, but will they trade like a? Will they trade like a Luke Kennard, somebody like that? Because he's expiring. for yeah, sure. exactly. Like, like he, could, he, he could help a contender out the rest of the season. So, you know, I think for Memphis, I, I said it in my, my tweet on, what was it, Monday night? Yeah, Monday night when the injury was announced. I, I just, you know, I'm, I'm curious if you feel the same way, Chris. I said, I mean, the silver lining here for Memphis is the fact that now you get a full year of Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson Jr. being featured as players on offense, and now suddenly you have your own lottery pick. And, you know, like if you – hit this pick, or if you're able to flip that pick into a player, you could set yourself up for an even greater you know, future. So I, I think there's silver linings for Memphis. Really the only concern right now is Jaw's health. With a labor injury that he has, can he get back to the shooter that he was on the floor pre-injury? Because he's worked a lot to improve and become a guy who's not a liability from the perimeter. So that's the only concern. But I think there's silver linings for the Grizzlies. They weren't winning the finals This year anyway. I'm not even sure they would have made the postseason as we've bickered about back and forth. But, I mean, at this point now, it's clear. It's all about building for next season. So I think there's, you know, benefits here.
2: Possibly. Um, It's always awful. And I think it's awful for the NBA that Morant is out for the year because he is one of those great young stars that people do love to watch. And you only got to see him for, what, nine games. I think we only got to see nine games of a season with him. Uh, Let's move to the games tonight. The Celtics-Bucks game. I'm interested in what you think about this. Is this, do you look at it and go, uh, the Bucks were obviously out for blood at the beginning of that game. I mean, they're all mean-mugging. Dame's mean-mugging. Bobby Portis trying to high-five everybody in the front row. Giannis is mean-mugging and windmilling. And once that 21 one uh, 21-0 run happened, which I think ballooned to 25. 25. 25, yeah. nothing. But 21 was I think the timeout. I, at that point, I was like, okay, this is this is not happening. I actually watched that Celtics win last night where they came back uh uh against Minnesota, and I thought, boy, you don't want to have this overtime game. Then I went and looked at their schedule. Played a lot of games in a short amount of time. I think this is their sixth game since January 5th, and it's January 11th. So they really piled up. Obviously, went to overtime last night. Are these excuses or are they reasons? Because I I will say objectively, I watch that and I go, this is a, this is not the version of Boston. That I have been watching when I have tuned them in this year. This is this is a laydown. <laughs> like this is
1: bad. It's their fifth game since January fifth. They had a back to back with Utah and Indiana, then another game against Indiana, then the Minnesota game, and now the back to back with Milwaukee. They were home yesterday on on a uh, Wednesday against Minnesota on the road tonight against the Bucks. I mean, I think that's an element of it. Of course, you know, you're a tired team. This happens during the regular season. It's always, it's going to be a conversation until the NBA does something about getting rid of back to back. It's just, it's just the reality of it. Uh, with that said, I don't think it's, you know, a a whole excuse. I I think you also need to compliment the Bucks side of things. The Bucks have not looked any better. Defensively than they did tonight. Uh, and during that 25-0 run, they were switching on ball and off ball. They had possessions where Damian Lillard found himself on the crib taps Porzingis, and then they would scram switch him off of him and put Bobby Portis off him. They were just stifling actions. Andre Jackson was playing great point of attack defense on Tatum. Brooke Lopez, when he was in anytime he was in the game, both in the first quarter, and then when he came back in the second quarter, deterring everything from paint. Nobody wanted to test him. Jalen Brown drove in, turned back. Drew Holiday drove in, wasn't able to get to the restricted area. Contained Jalen Brown on drives multiple times. Brooke Lopez looked like his his DPOY caliber self. The Bucks looked like a team that had a game plan, came out and executed it at a high level. So on one hand, yes, Boston is a tired team, back-to-back, five games since January 5th. On the other hand, though, I think the Bucks showed what their upside is as a defensive unit and the type of defense they need to be to reach their championship potential.
2: Also, some killer instinct. I mean, when you are amped up and you're out for blood and then you're able to go and bludgeon someone that knows you're going to be out for blood, it is what it is. And I do think that, you know, if, if we are getting a Eastern Conference Finals preview that I don't know if we're going to be able to look at that game and look and go, well, we saw when they matched up and the Bucs just ran them off the court. I just thought it was so extreme. It was such an ass-kicking that I didn't think that that was a a great representation. It might have been an unbelievable representation of the Bucs. It was a pitiful representation of the Celtics. Sure. But they have a standard of which we have watched them play. I watched them play last night. Literally last night, they sucked. Yeah,
1: and you, and you the saw The Bucks Tatum. deserve
2: credit, but they sucked.
1: And Tatum was, you know, magnificent down the stretch against the Timberwolves. Oh, he was, a, he great. was amazing. It was one of his like I, I think Bill Simmons tweeted. He's like, this is the what, what you would have dreamed of when the Celtics drafted Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum at back to back years. It, it's true. Jalen Brown started that game in unbelievable fashion. Jason Tatum finished it. Um, You know. Minnesota on the flip side of that game they could say well we didn't have Rudy Gobert or Mike Conley right. and Boston didn't have Kristaps Porzingis against Minnesota so guys are missing games um you know I think there's little things you can take from each of them and for the Bucks tonight the big one to me is like granted they they were unstoppable on offense we already know their offense is amazing that's old news but their defense I thought this was oh wait a minute This is what they're capable of doing when they are putting out out that effort, when they are playing with focus, when they do have a game plan and they stick to it and execute it at a high level. This is what they need to be to become a championship team again in terms of the clear favorite level status in the Eastern Conference, which I believe they could regain, but they need to get back to playing this level of defense, not losing four out of
2: five like they just did prior. I guess here's the question. How concerned would you be if you're a Boston fan? I
1: mean, I think you just if you're a boss fan tonight, you just forget about it. you go to sleep and you wake up tomorrow and it's not a back to back game and you, you wouldn't the say one.
2: that's the team nah. that we are gonna have to face, and they just kick the shit out of us. No,
1: no, I don't think so i mean we'll 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 see more so with some of those next games. I just looked at the schedule they play again March twentieth that is it's that a is long a long way away. <laughs> it's a it's a long long ways away. But you know that for that game, Milwaukee has two days of rest before, prior. Boston has one day of rest prior. That's more like a a playoff type of situation for both of those teams. This one is like you said, they've played a lot
2: recently, so you just kind of forget about it. And you know, I think a lot of people saw this coming, where Boston had played a bunch of these games, then played that overtime game last night, and then walked into a team that wanted to prove something and they did they did they did prove something man regarding the other games like it was going to i think there's probably a lot of people that don't know the context of that game that are going to be shocked by the outcome of that game but it's going to pale a comparison to what people are looking through the box scores and they see that friggin' thunder score i mean that is <laughs> ridiculous 139 yeah. to 77 I know. <laughs> what is that?
1: <laughs> Sixty-two. <laughs> oh my God. My. So there's just some stats on the on the Blazer side. Scoot Henderson was a minus fifty six oh. in the game.
2: Uh <laughs> you know what? That might be the I'm not kidding you. I, I was think it is. at I was at the game where the Memphis beat Oklahoma City by 73. I was there. And it was one of the most unbelievable things I've ever seen in my life. And I believe Lou Dort was like minus 50 or something like that. And I think he might have had is it's one of those guys that was in that game. Obviously, you get beat by 73. It's gonna be hard to not be on that list. But I think that that was like the worst plus-minus ever at the time. I don't know if that's been surpassed. You're telling me he's minus 56. You can probably look this up on the fly. I'm, I'm looking it the, up right now. The right worst plus-minus in a game I think was one of those guys from that game.
1: From what I can tell on, on here, Chris, is uh, what was the game you said you were at?
2: It was 73-point win. It okay. was Memphis versus Oklahoma City. Okay, all right. Let me pull this up for you. And somebody in that game was, I think Dort was like minus fifty or something.
1: Okay, so Dort in that game, and so the lowest in that game was Jeremiah Robinson Earl was a minus fifty (laughs) six. Lou Dort was a minus fifty three. That was uh, December second, twenty twenty one. There's some. There's some other ones though. Miles Bridges and this year, this year Hornets Pelicans. Was uh minus fifty six, and then the but that's not the highest in NBA history. I see it now. Lowest rather. The the lowest is Manny Harris minus fifty seven on January eleventh, twenty eleven. Cavs at Lakers. The Lakers won that game one twelve to fifty seven. Manny Harris a minus fifty seven in forty one minutes and seventeen seconds. Scoot tonight though, if you're looking per minute. Scoot played only but Scoot played only 31 minutes. (laughs) It was a minus 56. (laughs) Woo! So not the not
2: the worst in NBA history, but damn, really close. If you just I mean, if Scoot's on the court for one more bucket, he holds the record forever. That Manny Harris thing, man, that is hard. That is hard to beat. And you know. Man. It's crazy. I actually have. I, when you say that, it jogs my memory. I have looked that up before, for some odd reason. <laughs> I re- I remember Manny Harris from Michigan, but I don't know if you remember this. You know why I really remember Manny Harris is years and years ago. Well, hell, you probably were in high school when this happened, but in uh, he uh, there was the lockout season, and uh, Manny Harris he hurt his foot. In one of those cryo chambers. It like froze his foot. And burned it. And it was like the craziest. Injury. It happened. uh, Like during that 11 lockout. And he had this. He was like in a cryo chamber. And he had this freezer burn. And then he was just gone. Like from the league. I think he bounced around the G League. Played in Greece. Played all banner places. But like that—that that is one of the weirdest like. Oh my God, you never know the way a career's gonna go. You're in the offseason and you're friggin' foot burned in a cryo chamber. <laughs> Crazy. I mean, that's a memorable one. That's for sure. Uh anyway. Also, just
1: just to, just to clarify, that's uh, since actually not NBA history technically since 97-98, which is as far back as the plus minus stat on stathead.com goes. So
2: shouts to Mandy Harris for holding yeah. on to your record, yeah. bro. Yeah. Congrats. I mean, that's a you know Manny Harris is probably looking at the box score tonight, and he's like, please, God, Damn. somebody, Damn. and then scoots one point short. I know, tough, Because you know randomly NBA fans are going to look that up a couple times a year, and it's like, that's just a distinction you don't want to have.
1: And the the crazy thing about that game is, you know, Portland's been scrappier lately. Like they they haven't been necessarily an, an easy out. I mean, they've had some blowout losses, don't get me wrong. They got smoked by the Mavs and Knicks and all that, but they beat the Nets. They had some close games. They've been a bit better. And OKC, I mean, OKC, they're a team that is also on the second night of a back-to-back. They've had a heavier schedule recently as well. And they're just relentless, dude. They just don't stop coming at you.
2: Well, and they're now. By virtue of this ridiculous win tonight, number one, they are they are tied with the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves. Did thirty-seven games? They're twenty-six and eleven, as are the T Wolves. So they are tied atop the standings in the Western Conference. It has been a dream that? season for the Thunder. You know, they were the team that everybody thought could take a big leap after they were around a five hundred team last year, and my God, have they taken a leap? And the homegrown thing has just been tremendous for them. That addition been even better, I think, than any of us could have even expected. And just the impact uh, the the team as a whole um, they have been they have been great, and they are now tied atop the Western Conference standings, along with the Minnesota Timberwolves.
1: Get in on all the NBA buzzer beaters, ankle breakers, and jams with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action, especially with Friday night's slate of games in the NBA. LaMelo Ball might be back. The Hornets currently at plus one and a half on the road against the Spurs with LaMelo back. Maybe they'll be energized. That could be a pretty solid bet there. I also really like the Clippers at minus seven and a half with their point spread on the road against the Grizzlies. No John Morant, of course, as Verno and I discussed in today's pod. And the Clippers are absolutely. Rolling. If you don't want to bet on the games individually with point spreads or money lines, there's plenty of other ways to bet on the action We're using same game parlays. FanDuel has a parlay hub. That's the best way to find popular parlays. There's other bets you can find in the new explore tab, or you can use futures. You can look at NBA finals bets, awards. There's tons of different ways to go about it on FanDuel. So if you want to check it out, visit fanDuel.com mismatch and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel official partner of the NBA. Must be 21-plus from present in select states. $5 pregame money line wager required. First on-rail money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issues is non withdrawable. Bonus bets expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com.
2: I am going to see a couple of teams that have been very, very hot over the course of the last uh, week or two, uh, one of which is the Knicks, who are going to take a loss tonight. But the Knicks have been great with OG and, and Obi since they had made that trade, and this is going to be their first, uh, their this is going to their first ding. But more importantly, I'm going to see the Clippers tomorrow night, who have been a revelation over the course of the last twenty odd games. And there was big news regarding the Clippers since we last spoke, and that is the Kawhi Leonard extension. What did you think when you saw the news of the Leonard extension?
1: A no-brainer. I mean, the guy is absolutely unbelievable right now. He's playing at like at a top five level. Uh, he still is and can be a, a lockdown defender. Granted, he's not in his prime. Uh, I, you know, right now, if you pull up the isolation scoring efficiency stats, he's number one in the NBA, scoring one point two points per isolation. He's an isolation king. He can play off ball. He can hit spot-up threes at over 40%. He can cut to the rim. He can do everything, everything. He is a dominant force. So, yes, it's a, it's a no-brainer for the Clippers to do that. I'm sure Sure, Paul George will be up next. And, by the way, uh, number four in those isolation scoring efficiency numbers is James Harden, who's quickly rising after his slow start after he first got back with the Clippers. And now he looks like a, a dominant guy. And so I think for the Clippers, they, they continue to look like a championship-caliber team, and Ty Lue looks like one of the best head coaches in the league. So, yes, a no-brainer for the Clippers.
2: So do you think that this is going to be commonplace where we see guys actually getting negotiated with where they are signing for less than the max? It had always been commonplace that the great players in the league, they're just going to be getting max contracts. And that especially now, because of the salary cap, because of the penalties and everything else, that there's going to be, maybe more negotiation than in the past because this is this is far below what would be the max of somebody with his level of play and his level of credibility and resume you wonder on like the George front like that one may get a little more dicey cuz George may look at it and go um there are going to be some teams i.e. Philadelphia and maybe some others that have got that room somebody might you know, somebody might be willing to give Paul George a max contract in the offseason. I think that that's, there, there's people would look at it as less risk than with the Kawhi contract because there's a risk with the Kawhi thing. I mean, it is clearly not gone well or not how they have expected it to in his tenure with the Clippers uh, in terms of availability. And so you know that you're moving into that new arena, and they're they're at least going to have a star. And if George moves on, they probably could get, you'd imagine Harden at a lower rate, much like this one. And so I do wonder if it was instructive kind of what he signed, and we might see some other star-level players sign those kind of deals that are more around the 40 range than the 60, 70 range. Yeah, I mean, you know, he the, the max that he
1: signed, he could have waited and, in theory, got more. But, you know, with the extension that he was able to sign now, on top of the additional season that was already on the deal, he only gave up about $9 million out of a hundred and sixty potentially. You know, it turned out to be a $152.4 million for three years. So it's not like he took a, a 50% discount or a, a 30% discount. He shaved off $9 million. It wasn't a major difference, but you know, it does make give the Clippers a little bit more flexibility to get those other deals and retain flexibility under the cap. Well, it's also three years, right? Three years, yep. Yeah. So now, yeah. now he's got four, four, uh, that with the remaining year that he had, that 20, yeah. 24, 25 season was an option. So that's that's gone. And now it's a three year deal. So he'll be 36 when he's a free agent again. Yeah.
2: And so, I do wonder how they're going to be able to build up their team, and the George the George negotiation is going to be interesting because I could mm-hmm. see somebody throwing the boat at him.
1: Yeah, not you a know? lot of teams have money though.
2: I got not it. a lot of not a but lot. There's of teams one that that's p- hanging out there, and if they the don't, Sixers. if they keep their powder dry, I mean, boy, you put him with Maxi and Embiid, and you got a
1: sure, yeah,
2: <laughs> right. He wanted um, he wanted
1: to go to LA though, so I'd imagine he's gonna want to stay. He wanted to be in Southern California.
2: I'd imagine that as well. All right. Bunch of other things that have taken place since we last spoke. Uh, we had the Wemby triple double in 21 minutes, no less. So at least, you know, I feel like as the season has gone on, we've gotten a couple more Wemby moments. It all became like, oh, Wemby's on this horrible team, and it all the, the narrative just became Chet's part of winning, and Chet's doing this, Chet's doing that, and we said, hey. Maybe this isn't over yet. Like I'm at least glad that he's getting to have some super cool moments. And some of the highlights are just, I mean, we've been over it a thousand times that one that they posted a couple of days ago of him dunking on the break. And it looks like he's on a mini hoop goal when he like (laughs) barely jumps. And then like, he's like looking down at the goal as he's (laughs) dunking it. I was like, come on, this is ridiculous.
1: Some of the assists that he had against the Pistons the other night were nuts. He had, he had the nutmeg and transition yep. going going through Bogdanovich's legs. Uh, like he, he created quality shots. I mean, he was getting shots at the rim or three-pointers for his teammates. So it's, it's kind of funny with him performing at that level as a playmaker, 10 assists, zero turnovers, all this talk all season about, ah, get the ball out of Sohan's hands, give it to Trey Jones. It's like, no, actually give it to Wemby. Run, Let run, point. <laughs> yeah, run point. Run it whammy. through Wenbenyama. Yeah. Run it through Benyama And I, I think Why you're not? seeing. I mean, look, dude, I, I think with him last year uh, with the Mets 92, he started to develop some of that playmaking sense, making his teammates better, not just being a scorer. So I hope they continue to empower him this year and get more out of him because this is. This is going to be part of his game. You're going to run things through Wembanyama. It's going to be a ball sharing offense. So maybe now the keys have been handed to Wembanyama, and we're going to see a lot more of this moving forward. But having him having a triple double in 21 minutes, 21 minutes, it's having a triple double, it's nuts. Like I think that's that's so unusual. A player of his age being able to do that, and it's it's a testament to despite how crappy this season has been for the Spurs. It's a testament to his talent level and what he can become, and what he could be the remainder of this season alone. So I, I'm excited to see the way things develop. I hope they keep feeding him those touches because I, I want to see what he can what he can do with the ball in his hands.
2: Hornets have been out of sight, out of mind, and a lot of that's because we don't see LaMelo Ball highlights. It appears that LaMelo Ball is going to make his appearance tomorrow night. Now, they are... Taking
1: the ball out of Terry Rozier's hands, Chris. You're like,
2: oh, Terry! Oh, Terry! (laughs) They're way behind the eight ball, obviously. (laughs) They're not going to be a playoff team. That being said, I do think it is important for LaMelo Ball to come back and, like, regain stardom. We talked about this in the absence of Morant. In the and now we lost Halliburton since we last spoke for an extended amount of time. Hopefully it's not as bad, but we always talk about this on the show: hamstrings, groins, calves. It's almost always longer than what we think it is going to be before the players are able to trust that. But in between, you know, obviously trying to get Edwards there um, as a big American star but with what's gone on with Zion, what's gone on with Morant, what's gone on with, and Lamelo looked like he was on the trajectory of being like one of the guys. And certainly I will tell you kids still love Lamelo. They do. They still are in on Lamelo, and he's got a chance to be a really big star in the league. And again, a season kind of ripped away from him, at least in full form. So, I am much more likely to be interested in the Hornets when LaMelo Ball is playing. And I hope that he can continue a trajectory to become a big star in the league. And then they build out around him and Miller and Mark Williams. And, you know, they got new ownership. They got, they'll inevitably have new management, new coach. Everybody always wants to bring in their own guys. And I do think it's important, you know, for the league. For Lamelo to be able to continue a trajectory into stardom, um, and so I'm actually very, very glad he is back.
1: Me too. He's a fun player, and, he and before fun. he got injured, he he was having one of the better stretches of his entire career. He I got know. off to a slow start, and then his final ten or ten or so games before the injury, he was like a thirty-nine and seven player with an absurd efficiency. He looked unbelievable. So I, I hope he's able to get right back on that track. Because the Hornets have those young guys, like you're saying, Chris, right? Like they have a lot of young talent. So hopefully the mellow can help uh, lift them up.
2: Oh, I don't even know how I'm going to focus on this podcast when in the background, as, um, as we're recording this, Bull Bull is at the line. He is in the game in Los Angeles. The Terrorizing the Lakers and uh, recording
1: <laughs> this game is keeping me from being able to go watch Bull Bull live.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you would not have gone there.
1: I would definitely have gone. <laughs> no, you... to see to see the Suns with
2: Booker and Katie and we're going to record it tomorrow morning. A, you you it's not like you, you don't have any <laughs> options. Stop. You've got, you got as soon as we get off of here, you're going to be shooting somebody on Call of Duty.
1: No, I'm going to I'm going to watch Suns Lakers. Well,
2: it's a a 13-point game, game and everybody will be mad at Darvin Ham. Here, you want me to tell you how this goes? Um,
1: I mean, you could be right, yes.
2: (laughs) Since we last spoke, Shams Sharania said, everyone is on the table for the Warriors. Does that surprise, outside of Steph Curry, of course. Does that surprise you? No. That that news would be out there?
1: (laughs) No, 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 no. I I think it's the right move. Everybody should be on the table. Of course, it's unlikely you see a Draymond trade, or it's unlikely you see a Clay trade, unless he's indeed demanding a $40 million deal from the Warriors, then maybe you would be willing to trade him to somebody else, because you're not going to give him that money. Yes, everything should be on the table, because the priority needs to be building a championship team around Stephen Curry. Uh, I, I think with them, there's moves that they can make. I think they should be in on Pascal Siakam. There's been reports about them being ha- having conversations with Toronto. They should go after Pascal Siakam. They should be willing to deal with their young players because Stephen Curry, despite being in his mid-30s at this point, and despite some subtle signs of decline, that's largely due to, to the role and responsibility that he's had to carry. So I think they should be going all in still. And trying so to I was make thinking about this, but they'd him. have to
2: free up the, one of those big contracts.
1: Yeah, so Chris Paul is the, the number one contract that you would deal. He's out right now. He's not a great fit. He's an expiring deal. He makes about $30 million, So if you could flip him, that's number one. Number two would be Andrew Wiggins. Number three is either Clay or Draymond, depending on what you're getting back with those other deals. So I think you should be willing to trade any of those guys – Depending on what the package is to return, but to me, Pascal Siakam is the number one guy. You, you, like, well,
2: because haven't... the issue is his extension, right? That Siakam, Pascal, yeah, right. Like that's I, I'd the be thing. To you're you just not wanting to do it as a rental. And so, when you look at the salaries, it's like, all right, you got to free up a lot if you're going to be able to sign him to the extension that he inevitably wants.
1: Uh, absolutely, and I'd be willing to give him that money because of think about. Think about the two-man game between Draymond and Steph, and how effective that's been over the years. And that's been despite the fact that Draymond can't score worth a lick. He can't score. He's sloppy on drives to the rim. He can't post anybody up. He's an inefficient three-point shooter, and yet he's been one of one of a piece of one of the two pieces with Stephen Curry, with one of the most potent two-man uh, weapons in the entire NBA history. Right? Put Pascal Siakam in Draymond Green's place. I think it could enhance some of that as Steph is in this latter stage of his career because right. Siakam can still create. He can I think you're
2: underrating Draymond as a connector.
1: Because Draymond can play make. He's a smart screener. I'm, I, I'm not, I like, that's no disrespect. I'm just highlighting the weaknesses mm-hmm. within his game. And so what I'm saying is, Steph is steadily on a slight decline as he ages. Siakam is somebody who can help maintain that elite level efficiency. Whereas Draymond, I don't think, can be that guy that he that he has been over the years for Steph when Steph is like peak, peak, peak powers. And he still is. Steph is still great. But I just think Siakam is a better fit moving forward. And you, by the way, that doesn't preclude you from keeping Draymond Green and having both of those options on the floor. Sure as hell would be nice for the Warriors to have a guy over six foot three who can handle the ball and generate offense for your team and create for himself. Siakam could provide that. So I think for, like he should be their number one target Is he the only guy that they need, the only piece that they need? No, of course not. They have other changes that they have to make, other improvements they have to have. They would still need more size. They're not big enough. We said that after game one of the season. I said to you after our pod that night, the Warriors just look too small to be a championship contender. That has proven to be true over the course of the year. They still need to get bigger. So finding a big, finding a forward who can create, that should be a priority. I'd go after Jared Allen from Cleveland. Jared Allen isn't necessarily available. I've heard no indications that the Cavs are trying to train him. They've been him or good. Looking at trading him. They've been, been good. good. They've been good. So it's like, and Jared Allen has been awesome. He's had like seven assists, six assist games. They're putting the ball in his hands and he's producing really, really well. So well,
2: it's kind of like they've just got Donovan in him and then role players. It's all been and stripped and simplified. That's right. Isn't it's it weird how easier. that's happened? Isn't it it's strange? A, it, Sometimes it's a little bit easier when there's guys that don't need the ball. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Or, or, they got too or many guys having, that need the ball in, 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 when they've got their fully formed team in some cases.
1: And even prior to Mobley's absence, the numbers were better with one of those guys on the floor than both of them with Mobley right. and Allen, right? Yeah. So I, I think I think now we're seeing it's all the time it's just one big. <laughs> like they never have the two big lineups. So I, I think this also speaks to the deeper problem with the Cavaliers, with Mobley not yet uh, extending his range to the perimeter. He's not a creator. He's not a spacer. It's, uh, that needs to change
2: for them to become what they can be. It's crazy you brought up the Wiggins thing. If you, I mean, if you would have told me a couple of years ago after covering those playoffs and then what he did in the finals that we would look in a couple of years and Wiggins is a... It, it's It's a bad contract. Like, that's how it's uh, looked at right now. Like, you don't want him as the player. <laughs> Isn't it's it crazy? Just, he, it's the money. It's like, all yeah. right, we got to fill out the money, and it's like, what the hell? How did you? you know. This guy like was going nuts up with uh, Tatum in the finals. He, I mean, just absolutely eviscerated Memphis with the offensive rebounds. Him and Looney, and it's like both those guys. Like, what the hell happened to Kavon Looney? Guys, like these guys were massive reasons they were able to win that title a few years ago. And now half the time, they're both unplayable basketball players. It's crazy. It's crazy. I don't understand what, what, what happened because it's not like they're old either.
1: Well, Looney Looney's had a lot of injuries over the years, even going back to high school and college. So I think with him, he's got he's kind of like the Steven Adams type of thing, where it's like he's he he's nope. feel he's older than his
2: listed age. <laughs> well, he's <laughs> like always Adam, looked older than he is. <laughs> <laughs> always, yeah, yeah. He is. He's just got that old man look. Yeah, yeah. All right, <laughs> uh, old face. Yeah, <laughs> place oh. Always had an old
1: <laughs> old man game too, right? He always yeah. has. It's the crazy thing with Looney is i I'm sure we've talked about this, but like plugging his name into YouTube, the old highlights of him in high school. I know. He he had a perimeter game, man. There is a <laughs> next KD. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Video yeah, we talked about that. Kevon yeah. Looney is
2: the next KD. <laughs> and you watch it and you're like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's so crazy. You know? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com.
2: Since we last spoke some other things that have taken place, Uh, are you in favor of a two-day NBA draft?
1: Yeah, why not? Why not? I'm open to experimentation. When have I said no to anything over the years with this podcast, Chris? Play in, I'm in, you know, target score in the All-Star, I'm in. When, when have I ever said no to experimentation with the NBA? I guess
2: have I ever? For me, it's like, okay, do I need to pay attention to this for two days or do I need to pay attention to this one, like, super late night? Because it does go so late. I know, you it's know, so I mean, late. Like, the, the, I, the very famous Taco Bell and when Nikola Jokic is getting drafted, <laughs>
1: it's the like, product will be better. The like that—that's the thing. Like, how do you make the broadcast a better
2: product for the fans?
1: That more in-depth
2: second-round yes. analysis.
1: Sure, that—that's—that's that's that's a way. huge element of it. Educating fans and entertaining them at the same time, and for teams, perhaps. Perhaps this makes things a little bit more interesting. Like we, like you could, in theory, have more time between picks, creating more potential for trades, including some of the more complicated player trades. Maybe the NBA could tweak the rules, and you don't have the stupid bullshit up there with the hats, players wearing the wrong team right, hats. Right, it's, right. it's so dumb. It's it's ridiculous how that happens. So I, I think this this having a two night draft creates more room to make the product better overall in every single way. So I'm in favor of it. And also, if they were to ever add a third round to the draft, it would make sense to have round one on one night, uh, rounds two and three on another night. So I think this is a natural step forward in in terms of enhancing the entire draft process. And plus, I'm excited because my draft guide, now we can do some creative stuff. After day oh, one, yeah. like, I, I'm already thinking, oh, what could we do for day two? Maybe I we like have a this. page, yep. right? Yeah, it's like the best players available. That's what two, the NFL you know? does. Yeah. And, yeah, and, 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 and you know what?
2: I actually anticipate round two of the NFL draft because you start to wind down the end of the first round of the NFL draft. And it's like, all right. Like, you know, Starts to
1: drag a little bit.
2: <laughs> yeah, it does. And then. You're like, oh wow, Blank didn't get taken. And then day two, I am like it always becomes a storyline. There's always somebody that dropped. And it's like, oh, is yeah. he gonna go off the board immediately? For or sure. like that quarterback's still available or whatever. So I do kind of like that, honestly. And that I happen. like drafts. I like watching them too.
1: Yeah, and that's going to happen in the NBA inevitably. Like, there's always going to be a hyped up guy that you know people think goes you know twelve, and he ends up at thirty one on day two.
2: I would rat. I, I I will say I am in favor if they can like just put them both at like seven o'clock or six o'clock two days in a row. Yeah, that way I'm not staying up until midnight to find out who you know is the last pick of this thing. For sure, because there's only two rounds anyway.
1: I think part of it, like part of the reason why the, the NBA draft has never felt as big is because it's been pa- all packed into one day. So that second That's round right. has never felt important. It okay. has never been given limelight where you have time talking about each player, analyzing each player. It's just. On to the next pick. Boom, 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 boom. Like, like he mentioned the Jokic Taco Bell. Well, and Adam commercial. Silver
2: leaves, and then Mark Tatum comes in. Yes. So, yeah, like, for sure. they have the deputy Absolutely. commissioner come in. They're like, "All right, now it's time for the deputy commissioner." And then the only <laughs> thing fun is how he, how bad he's going to mispronounce some of the foreign guys' names.
1: <laughs> but I mean, you mentioned that Taco Bell commercial with Jokic. Yeah. What that could have been is having you know whoever was on the broadcast that year pulling up some footage of him overseas and saying oh this guy you know they could talk about him and say he's got a lot of talents as an interior post score he's kind of a throwback needs to improve his conditioning needs to improve his defense you could have talked about the real basics on the broadcast and said worth a shot for the nuggets going to be interested to see how they pair him with Yusuf Nurkic their earlier first round draft pick how do they distribute minutes for those guys it could be simple But you could have that instead of the Taco Bell commercial.
2: They got to find a real real guy for that, too. You know, Schmitz was on his way to doing that before he got that job with the Blazers. They got to find a real guy to do that. It can't just be like, oh, and here's a Ford guy. Let's throw it to Fran Fraschilla. And, like, he's the only guy that knows anything about anybody (laughs) that played overseas. It's like, you got to find somebody that does that.
1: Oh, Schmitz was awesome. On he the was. Broadcast. He was an unbelievable,
2: and he was. He was and is growing into that, oh, right? Yeah. As like he was going to be the guy that knew everything about all of these players, even the ones that played overseas.
1: Yeah, and instead he wanted to scratch the itch of helping run a team, and like you know, good for him doing that. But I, I yeah, do miss and now Schmitz. his team's
2: getting beat by seventy. Yeah. <laughs> Go back to the draft. <laughs> I, I do, I do, I do
1: miss. I do miss Schmitz on the broadcast. I thought he was sensational. He was good. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see the way that's handled now. It will be like, they, like, cause they, they have the, what did they do last year? They had the station where they played the personal, like the family style stories about each player. Oh, that and was then, like,
2: yeah, on ABC or whatever. Yeah, yeah, whatever. I mean, I didn't know. watch that crap.
1: Yeah, I didn't either. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just kind of silly how they had that but yeah. uh maybe there's an audience for it. I can't imagine the ratings were any good, but who knows. Yep.
2: NBA put out their study saying that uh guys sitting out of games doesn't help injury, so <laughs> we don't need to get into that. I mean, what what'd you think? I could have told you what their study was going to say. <laughs> it wasn't going to say, <laughs> "Hey, you know how we've actually been trying to get you guys to play every night? It actually is not to your benefit. Guys do get yeah. way injured more like" <laughs> <laughs> I I thought it was funny to see that headline. This is this
1: is like cigarette companies in the sixties. Yeah,
2: right. C- yes, cigarette. There is no evidence that sitting out
1: keeps you healthier.
2: I I mean, look. I think we all know it's anecdotal. To and and we all got fed up with the whole load management thing. It's I I there is part of me that thinks that you if you if you don't condition your body to withstand playing a lot of games by sitting out regularly, that when you do, that you might even be more susceptible to injury, especially like the soft tissue stuff, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. There's a buildup to that. And that, you know, we're trying to figure it out in all kinds of sports as to why, why does every young pitcher that comes up to your team end up having to get Tommy John and maybe a shoulder thing or something's wrong with their arm, right? And it wasn't like that. All, all, you know, years and years ago in the same way. And I do wonder if uh, I knew what the study was going to say. But I, while I'm joking, I don't think it's untrue. No, I, I don't either. Yeah. I, I don't think these guys are getting injured because of overuse with their NBA schedule now, is what I'm saying. It's what like
1: five or six years ago. I remember a GM said to me, he's like, our internal studies say load management and rest doesn't actually do anything and like i've had execs from other teams over the years say similar to me they're like i, I we don't think this actually does anything it's just the health the health side of things that say it does but we're not, we're not convinced that it does
2: well everybody has to justify their paycheck bro yeah what am i there for if i'm not telling you that my right everybody has to justify their paycheck
1: but what you're there for is to to maintain a player's health and keep them active in games. So you still have a role. It's just, yeah,
2: I don't know. Right. But if I'm playing the safe side, it's a of lot course. easier to justify. Like, no, for we don't sure. want to do this. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yep, yeah yeah. 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 No. What, what you could hire me as your health guy. Be like, go play every night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <fight them>. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and then I get fired in like a week they go out want there. Co- you to co- tell them to cool out
1: co- coach says can I play him for 48 minutes yeah. Bruno says go, go ahead
2: yeah how many health guys do you think Tom Thibodeau listens to none like, get that shit out of my face you're playing 46 <laughs> and if we play if we, if we play overtime you're playing 52 somehow <laughs> <I> didn't care, <laughs> right? Uh, I did think it was funny to see that headline though today. Also, the headline of the Netflix show, their quarterback show, had. I'm uh, looking forward to it. It had people buzzing that you know, people the Mahomes stuff, and then people certainly got a different view of Kirk Cousins. They also realized how intensely boring Marcus Mariota truly is, and. <laughs> Some other stuff, but I like the names. It's Tatum, LeBron, Butler, uh, Edwards, and DeMontis Sabonis, evidently for this Netflix show that they're putting together. I obviously watched the... Did you ever... I got a lot of friends that got super into F1 after the F1 one. And there was even a ringer pod about the F1 one. still Uh, is. Need for Speed. Is it? Is that what it was called? Need for Speed. I think, I think it's just anyway. the Ringer F one podcast. So. No, 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 no! I'm talking about the show on Netflix. Oh where yeah, where yeah, yeah. everybody got super into the F one because of that. The golf one, I obviously watched all of that, and it was pretty good. It was, I mean, it was again not great. It, it's not, it's not the Sopranos or anything, but it, it was worth watching for
1: sure. Yeah. The, the issue, the issue with this one is it's going to be, it's like produced in part by lebron's people oh it LeBron. is and it's, it's in the show so it's like in partnership with a bunch of studios so it's going to be tailored oh. to not include some of the the, the stuff that you would want to see with mm-hmm. that said though it's year one and it's content that i'm excited about i've been hoping the nba uh would have something like this and now they do because it sets up for hopefully a Good season two, like where you could, the one of the criticisms I heard was like, well, there's no Mariotta. There should be a guy out there that's fighting for his job or like, a you know, somebody who started at the top and now they've fallen. Well, season two could be that. This is an interesting year with different personalities. All those guys are much different, different types of players. Uh, I think there were five good choices for season one for the NBA. So uh, I, I very much look forward to watching it.
2: Okay. Something to look forward to. Uh, coming up this weekend, uh, tomorrow night, I have it, I had it circled, was uh, this New Orleans game. New Orleans, they have been really good since the calendar turn. They won four or five, including Minnesota, at Minnesota, at SAC, at Golden State, and just like ass beatings in the last two. And now they're going to Denver and playing against Denver and then before they have to play Dallas for two games but they it, this is something to keep notice of, of as as teams are jockeying and moving up and down those standings that pelicans team has been very good recently and this is one i had circled because they're playing at denver tomorrow night so we're going to kind of see but man there's no way their their scores have not jumped off the page for anybody that has been paying attention because I mean, what they did to the Warriors, war, they had the Warriors fans booing them. They had the Kings fans booing them. They are on a boo tour. If they can make the Nuggets fans boo them, then they're really to something. But they have been, they've gone on this road trip, and they've beaten teams so badly that their own fans are booing them. That's impressive. You know who's been playing
1: really, really well throughout this entire stretch for them? Trey Murphy. Trey yes. Murphy's been great. And, and he's and still
2: got a knee thing, you know? He's not fully
1: formed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, not not quite fully formed. He's not even, like, in the past two games, he had a, I mean, the past three games, he's not shooting the lights out necessarily. He's not shooting 60% from three. He's shooting around 35, 36% from three in recent games. But he's looking good off the dribble. He's passing the ball, making kickouts, quick decisions out there. Uh, I've been impressed by some of the decision-making on the floor that shows his value even when he's not having a lights-out shooting. Like He's he's only 4 of 11 against the Warriors. It's not like he had an 8 for 11 banger. And yet you come away and you're like, oh, wow, Trey Murphy had a really good game. He had 6 assists, no turnovers, make great decisions out there. Uh, I, I love the way Trey Murphy's playing as part of some of their units.
2: Yeah, and we've also got a uh, team's kind of feeling feeling high, feeling low. Bulls are feeling much better about themselves, especially after the win last night. The, the, the Kobe White thing is wild. Keeps on going, man. How many times have we talked about, like, everybody's – It's it, sometimes development's not linear, and you never know. And, boy, he got more opportunity. He is legitimately really, really good. I was actually watching their game last night uh, when they came back and that they won. It went to overtime uh, last night against Houston, and they ended up getting, getting it done in overtime, and I think he had, he had like 30, I think, in the game. But, man, I am a fan. I'm a fan. And what is he? Is this year five? Five for him? Because he already signed that extension. Which is gonna look like the? I mean, if he if he is this kind of player, that's gonna look like the greatest contract going. (laughs) It's year five for him right now. And -hmm. what was the deal he signed? Because they signed him for like peanuts.
1: The deal he signed was a three year, thirty six million dollar contract.
2: Oh my god!
1: So this year he's making eleven. Next year he makes twelve. The year after that he makes twelve point nine. So, what a I deal,
2: mean, man! They have yeah. effed up thing after thing after thing, but man, they didn't eff that up. They got him, and it's year five. He looks just like a different guy now.
1: and he's a only twenty three years old, so he'll, no, he'll he's be a free a real
2: a- player, man.
1: Yeah, so he could be a free agent at twenty six if he keeps this going and continues ascending for three more years and being for a massive payday even before he's 27 so kobe white like you said chris a perfect example of how development isn't always linear it's not like he was a bad player at, at any point with the bulls he was a solid player it's just he wasn't oh yeah the number seven pick you hope that that's a banger for you you hope that that's a home run right now like in year five it's starting to look like it
2: and williams as well has there been through this year, especially when Levine went down, it makes you feel better about like moving Levine because oh, it's like sure. all it right, you feel better, and you don't have to bottom out that you're going to be able to like kind of augment on the run because you still got some good players on your team, and now you can kind of augment around them. And you saw how. What, what do you guys... do about
1: DeRozan though? What do you do about DeRozan? He's a free agent this summer. Yeah, are yeah, you keeping that's him?
2: Gonna, that's gonna that's gonna come to an end as well. Yeah, so are yeah
1: keep, I would. Are, Buddy, are you keeping him? No. So you would trade DeRozan and Levine, and then try to build it out with the young guys. So it's like a, would. it's like a it, it's what? a it's not quite blowing it up, but it's a targeted demolition.
2: You don't have it, to build. Offense. You don't have to blow. You don't have to blow it up. You, in fact, I would do kind of like one of their peers, which How is about Toronto. I would do I would do like what Toronto's doing. Now, so you would trade all, all, all three anything, of those guys. Toronto didn't get anything in the van fleet. Well, look, they're not long termers there, Kev. So I would look at it and I'd say, okay, who do I? Uh, it, it, the the Kobe White thing would open my eyes a lot, and I would go, all right. Now I can kind of the same way that like you know they're looking at it and they're going, okay, we got Scotty Barnes, or we got R.J. Ham, or we got R Hampton, R.J. Barrett, we got Manuel Quickly, and it's like, yeah, you go try to get some. More guys that fit a timeline for the next five to eight years rather than the next two years. Because those are what you were talking about. though, I And mean, those are all win-now players. Vucevic is a shell of what he used to be, even a few years ago.
1: DeRozan's a tough one, though, because if you wanted to keep, continue uh, winning or competing, as you said, DeRozan's an integral part of that. For his sure playmaking he is. presence. So, I mean, that, that's the tough part There is.
2: But, I mean, is, are you signing him to an extension this offseason? What are we doing with a 35-year-old, DeMar DeRozan is my best player? I would what are we much prefer trading him. Um, yeah, what do we do?
1: But, but I would trade Vooch, I would trade Levine, and I would want to get a good amount back for DeRozan if he wanted to stay for a fair and day, and, not, sure, and, but, and, again,
2: I'm not blowing it up and trading it all for draft picks and all this stuff. I'm looking yeah, at it, and players, I'm going, I got, the, I got Kobe, I got Williams. Now, yeah, let me go build out. DeRozan's interesting. You win now, team? Give me some of your stuff that's young, you know, that you're under 25, and let me rock with it, you know?
1: DeRozan's interesting because he's shooting 2.8 three-point attempts per game, which this is the second highest of his entire career. So if I'm, if I'm another team talking with the Bulls, I think DeRozan is at least showing an, an, a willingness to shoot more spot-up threes this year. That, that makes him a more interesting player for a lot of contenders around the league. If he's willing to do some of that in addition to his on-ball creation stuff, but like, that, that, that's an interesting trend for me watching Bert DeRozan at 34 years old right now as he ages into his mid and then late 30s. Is he going to be a guy that's going to suddenly, at this stage of his career, become a spot-out three-point shooter on top of all the creation because he's that starting guy, to trend look, towards I will, that. He's I trending never, towards that. That's
2: all. I'm never going to deny that guy's ability to get buckets. This guy is
1: a scorer, man. And his ability to improve. DeRozan, like, look at those San Antonio years. Uh, his last year of the Raptors, he became more of a playmaker, and then he built on it even more with the Spurs. He became like a low-turnover, high-assist guy on top of the mid-range stuff. As the league has has developed and changed defenses, the mid-range shot has become more efficient for him, in part because of his individual improvement, in part because of defenses not worrying about the mid-range shot as much. And now with the Bulls this year, no Levine. He's taking on all the playmaking stuff that he developed with the Spurs, and he's part of the reason why the Bulls have helped turn their season around. So I don't think DeRozan can be ruled out as somebody who continues producing into his mid and late 30s as long as he stays healthy because he's somebody who has always gotten better and has always adapted. And again, like I said, the spot-up three-point shooting this year with the Bulls is a sign that he's still doing that even at 34 years old. It's just a little trend to monitor. I'm not saying it's going to be fully sustainable with him, but he's doing it. So let's see how it continues.
2: He'd be awesome in Philly.
1: He would be great in Philly. He would be a great backcourt fit next to Tyrese Maxey. Great two man guy with Joel Embiid. Be very, very fun to watch him in that offense with all the motion and movement they get going. They need another creator. I mean, there's a lot of guys we'd like in Philly. We've talked about
2: that a bunch, but DeRozan would be near the top of my list. I guess he didn't. I guess he was only Casey, right? I guess he didn't play for Nurse. So I was about yeah. to say. Right, he got that Toronto thing, but I guess he was already gone by the time Nick was there. Mm-hmm. Um, or was Nick I Nurse an make...
1: assistant the, the
2: year prior? So yeah, I guess he, I guess he, yeah, he would have, he would have, he would have a familiarity with, right? That's right. He did move over after Dwayne was gone. Yeah, Nurse so, was, a, yeah, he was an assistant coach. So he did have some familiarity with him as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah, from thir- from 13, 2013 until 2018, Nurse
2: was an assistant. So they did have a relationship for five years at least. Yep. All right, Kevin, it is always a pleasure. Thank you to our executive producer, Jesse Lopez, as always. Remember, we did not mention your favorite player or favorite team. We hate them. That's the reason. It's not because we forgot or we thought we're talking about other stuff. We don't like them, and we did not think they deserved to be talked about. That Gavin, means you
1: Demontas Sabonis.
2: <laughs> I can't wait for his Netflix show. Um Kevin, <laughs> I'll talk to you next week.
1: I'm looking forward to it. Have a good weekend. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with the Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG. In Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Vermont, and Virginia. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to five three three four two. In Connecticut, call 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700 or visit KSL. Gambling help.com. In Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. In Maryland, visit mdgamblinghelp.org. In West Virginia, visit 1800gambler.net. In Wyoming, call 1-800-522-4700. Hope is here. In Massachusetts, visit gamblinghelplinema.org. I'll call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY.